welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of college football's last call. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football. Week seven of the college football season is now behind us, which means, boys, we are at the halfway home of the season. It's crazy. I can't believe we're that far in, but uh, a lot to get to today, so let's get to it. Jason, Lawrence, what's up? Hey, good, uh, good evening. It's a uh, chilly fall day in Atlanta. Uh, tough week for the Braves. Good win for the Dogs. Uh, ready to attack the bye week. Yeah, man. Uh, seven and zero. I, I mean, I can't believe how quickly we get here. Like when the season starts. I mean, it feels like Labor Day was just, uh, you know, just a quick blink ago. Uh, but yeah, it's cold, and uh, it feels like we're getting into the teeth of football season now. So the best part of this cold weather is uh, you can pull the boots out of the closet, pull the quarter zips out of the closet, pull the vests out of the closet. I got the hooded sweatshirt it's like a whole new wardrobe it's great it's a great time of year i love the change of and, and i bet some of those new uh, that new attire is national championship gear that hasn't been worn yet oh i've worn it all <laughs> <laughs> i've worn it all man a lot of it is national championship gear but i can it's not been sitting collecting dust i can promise you that yeah i played tennis this evening i had to pull out the under armor leggings and uh the under armor top it was, it was chilly so Georgia Vanderbilt last week went as we all predicted, as we all expected. It was an ass kicking from the jump, all facets of the game. What y'all's takeaways? Uh, did anybody have the did call the fifty five zero score? I, I kind of feel like that's what I said, but I don't recall. I, I need to start writing these things down. Um, I, I was kind of halfway watching the game while my son was playing soccer. Um, I did watch. I, I watched the replay when I was traveling to Boston on Sunday. Caught some more of the key plays. A good fu- a feature of YouTube TV. You can just go fast forward through the key plays to catch some, some of the stuff in the third and fourth quarter. Um, I thought Carson Beck actually looked pretty darn good. Uh, he's got some zip on the ball. His his worst pass of the, or his best pass of the day was actually an incomplete pass to Kears Jackson in the end zone. Um, but yeah, everyone got playing time. We took care of business. I uh, haven't really seen anything in terms of injuries. I know McClendon, I think, or Xavier Trust came off the field and Lad McConkey came off. Um, hasn't sounded like anything serious. I don't know if you guys have heard any more about it. Yeah, I mean, they were saying Lad was able to get back in if needed. He obviously wasn't needed. Um, but, you know, we are a little thin there with AD being out. Um, the biggest stat that stuck out to me was I think the Dogs had like 387 yards passing and about 190 yards rushing. So let's call it, I'm not good at math, 575. Vanderbilt had 150 yards of total offense. So uh, just a a dominating win, 55 to nothing. Everybody played. Cash Money Jones scored a touchdown. Um, We did it. That's 117 to nothing in the last two games against Vandy for those keeping score at home. Yeah, they deserve it after camp the year before. That's right. Yeah, my viewing was uh, I watched the first quarter um, pretty much, you know, every play. We were up, what, 14 nothing, 21 nothing. The Braves, of course, were playing at the exact same time, um, although the Braves game was, was quickly getting out of hand as well, going the wrong direction. Second and third quarter, truthfully, the Bama-Tennessee game was more intriguing and then went back to the George game for the fourth quarter because it's always fun to see that the guys whose names we've heard get some playing time. 
and see them play. And then I went back and watched the second and third quarter later on in the weekend. Um, I tell you, my, my two takeaways from that game, I love seeing Arik Gilbert get in, make a catch, um, score a touchdown. I love seeing Dom Blaylock get in, score a touchdown. And the reception that they got from their teammates just made you feel good because clearly the teammates love those guys, they're happy for them. Um, and so that was – I was really, really happy to see that happen. Yeah, that was cool. Um, the other thing that I really like, Darnell Washington is a man amongst boys. He's an offensive tackle playing tight end. He had two awesome catches. One was the one-handed catch. Uh, but even better was the other catch. He had two defenders draped all over him. It was a perfect pass by Stett. I don't know how that pass was thrown where it was. And I don't know how it was caught. Um, but just to echo what Larry said, uh, I agree. I think Carson Beck looked really good. Give him some confidence. You know, we joked about it, right? He'd get a lot of film for the transfer portal. That guy could be starting next year. Hopefully we don't see him start this year, but he could be starting next year at Georgia. Yeah, so Darnell was had four receptions, 78 yards, and he's him and Brock, and Brock didn't get a ton of action. It wasn't really needed. Um, but Darnell and Brock are going to be a, pro, a matchup problem, as we've said all season long. And I did like what Stett said about Darnell in the post game. He said throwing to Darnell is like throwing the ball to the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stett had a good game. His numbers were back kind of where we saw in the beginning of the year. Heard some noise about his shoulder maybe bothering him the last couple of weeks. I don't know. Um, but he looked better on the downfield passes. I felt some, you know, that, that was encouraging to see. Um, no Kenny Milton. Um, or excuse me, Kendall Milton. Yeah, Kendall Milton. So uh, I guess he's still a little dinged up. Kenny McIntosh making plays, getting in the end zone. Love seeing, um, you know, the other two, Edwards and uh, Robinson. So, you know, chunks of yards, put up big, big gains. I give the whole performance an A all the way around. I don't know how you can't. Uh, w- one thing I'd also want to point out is, you know, we've been missing Jalen Carter since Mizzou. And uh, Zion Logue looked really good. The defensive line looked very good. The linebackers looked good. Uh, Keeler Ringo did not have a good game. Uh, to, you know, talk about a little negative. He had a couple of uh, penalties. He looked like he got beat a couple of times. I think we expect a ton out of him. And we're going to need a ton out of him going forward. Um, so, you know, something to work on in the off week. Yeah. Uh, so Zion Logue is quickly becoming one of my favorite Bulldogs. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this when we went to the game last week. And even when I went to Kent state, uh, Sammy and I have started entering the stadium underneath the Sanford bridge through like where they do the dog walk and you walk field level and you get to see all the players warm up. Zion Logue is having the best time out of anybody out there during warmups. He's dancing. He keeps it light. And he's become a playmaker, man. Um, 96, I'm a, I am a fan favorite of 96. He's a beast, too. When you get down on field level with him, he is massive. So I don't want to jump ahead to the Jimbo of the week, but I will say the Jimbo of that game has got to go to Vanderbilt's coach. That beginning of the year, him running his mouth. I don't remember exact his exact quote, like, we're going to be the best team in the country or whatever he said. Like, dude, they get their ass kicked every single week. Like, why does he feel the need to say something like that? Cl- a clown move. Big win over Hawaii, you know, boosts the confidence. Uh, so, you know, look, he, uh, he's a, he's an alum like Kirby. I guess he's proud of his guys. But, yeah, he's, he's – I don't know. <laughs> You're running uphill, pal. Well, listen – they've already hit their over on uh, projected wins for the year. So he's playing with house money, man. It's been a good season for him so far, even if he's getting his brains beat in in by the Bamas and Georges of the world. But that's to be expected. 
I mean, yeah. Listen, so, tw- tw- was it six years ago, 2016, Kirby's first year? Vandy beat us. I mean, think of that. Do you think? Well, I mean, they are nowhere near us right now. Yeah, you flip the ball to Isaiah McKenzie on the short side of the field there on the fourth down. That's not going to get it done there. Uh, but but no. so, so we head to the off week. Um, I guess the two biggest pieces, hopefully, to come back for Florida, A.D. Mitchell, Jalen Carter. Do we think they're going to be healthy in two weeks? Yes. Uh, I believe so. So uh, I spent some time with a buddy of mine who lives in Athens. Uh, claims to be a runner with the head train. Not, uh, not uh, Corson, but the head um, – orthopedist, and uh, he said that if we needed those guys this week, they would have played. Okay. Well, that's so that's good. my inside so, scoop. Go go post it on the dog bed. <laughs> Bulldog Bob is ready to talk about it. No, to your point, <laughs> listen, like it's it's a tale of two seasons. You started this off. We're at the halfway point. Georgia has a nice bye week, you know, coming before Florida, which historically has been a tough game. I don't think it's going to be too difficult of a game this year, but, you know, games have to be played. But it's a good time to get healthy. But the second half of our schedule this year is packed, right? Florida, Tennessee, uh, Mississippi State, Kentucky, and then the Nerds. But uh, those are four, you know, those are four tough games. Those are all teams ranked in the top. Well, with the exception of Florida, teams ranked in the top 25, two of them on the road. Yeah, I mean, the hope is we took care of business first seven games. I think having that scare at Missouri might look back and say it was a good thing, kind of wake everybody up a little bit. Um, get healthy, and you're right. It gets progressively tougher as we go. We just saw Tennessee take down Alabama. Like I said, I spent more of my time watching that game. It was more entertaining. Um, we could do the rest of the 20 minutes on that game. Uh, whoever wants to start, what do you think? Go for it, Larry. Um, so – the fact that Alabama had 17 penalties called on them, uh, I find to be absolutely crazy. Like, they're the ones that are complaining now that they're not getting the calls from the Zebras. Um, and typically, you know, they get the benefit of the doubt. So, you know, Tennessee, I think, probably played as perfect of a game as they could. They did have that uh, scoop and score to, you know, to lose the lead, I think it was 49-42 at one point yes. when Dallas Turner recovered that ball. Um, that was probably the only mistake they really made. Um, Bama, I mean, listen, Bama should or could have three losses already this year. So as we said last week, or we even said like in week two or week three, whenever it was, it's kind of like they're Bryce Young and, and that's about it. This isn't a Bama team that's as scary as it's been in the past. Now, that being said, Tennessee's offense is really scary, uh, but I feel like they're a little bit one dimensional. Like, you know, they can't, they, they can't stop anybody. So I do like our chances when they come into Athens in a couple weeks. Um, and then if we're going to go Jimbo of the week, I don't want to steal Gans's thunder, but I got a couple thoughts, and it may, it may go to uh, Coach Saban is the Jimbo of the week from my perspective. So I want to start this by saying Tennessee, that's a, that's a great win. Uh, big monkey off their back. I thought the atmosphere was awesome. Uh, that stadium, I've been to a few games there. It's not much bigger than Sanford Stadium. They just pack in about 15,000 more people. You better get – better like the person – uh, you're sitting on their lap. But it was raucous. The coolest thing to me, we, we discussed this, is after they won, the fireworks coming out of the top. So definitely want to uh, congratulate them on the win. That being said, however, however, <laughs> I see something coming. They gave up 49 points in a win, right? That's not going to get it done week in and week out. To Larry's point, I don't think at this point in the season, Alabama does not look like the Alabama of old. Will Anderson was pretty much neutralized in that game. Uh, Bryce Young is fantastic, again, to, to echo Larry's point. Uh, but there wasn't uh, – Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is, is a, is a mm-hmm. 
but there's just not much more there. You cannot give up 49 points and expect to win. Um, they got a lot of lucky calls, again, to Larry's point, too. Um, there was that interception that, that got overturned. Um, there was a massive targeting on Bryce Young, which they ended up, I think, scoring on that possession anyway, but that takes somebody out. Tennessee's offense is legit. Herndon Hooker is legit. I forget that receiver's name that had, you know, five touchdowns. Jalen um, Hyatt, yeah. He's good. Yeah, and they're getting Cedric Tillman back. They're going to put up some points against Georgia, but – uh, our, our hillbilly neighbors to the north need to pump the brakes a little bit. So speaking speaking of the stadium atmosphere, those um, the fireworks you mentioned they set off, were those just kind of sitting there waiting for years and years for the exact moment? Um, Clay, Tra- I mean, Clay Travis said that he didn't even realize, he said it was so loud in the stadium, he didn't even realize that fireworks went off until he watched replays of the game afterwards. Well, how about if you, how about CBS kind of being ready for that too? I and mean, they had that overhead shot like it, like on cue. Like as soon as whoever hits that red button, they had it all lined up. Um, great visual. Speaking of Clay Travis, we all we all read him like him. What I think is cool about media in 2022 is he was broadcasting like from the 100 section. He brought his, his uh, microphone with him. Yeah, cool perspective. And then he's riding around in the back of a truck bed downtown Knoxville filming videos for like Twitter and stuff, like more content. It's just so cool that in today's day and age, that's the kind of footage that we get from the media personality. So shout out to him. I thought it was awesome. Well, I, I, feel, I, I like Clay Travis also, but I think he's getting a little bit too much airtime here. So I'm going to smack him around a little bit. I listened to outkick the coverage <laughs> today and I think Clay's still drunk from Saturday. He has, Don't blame him. Yeah, I don't either, but he has Tennessee is his number one team in the country. Um, and look, that was a good win. But what's the best win in college football this season? What do you guys think? I, I can tell you what I think. I mean, I would, well, truth, truth. Go I, would, I would say that that's probably the best win in college football this season, followed by I think so too. Georgia beating the brakes off of Oregon. Georgia beating the brakes off of Oregon is much more impressive. Forty-nine to three over a top ten team uh, versus fifty-two forty-nine. Um, you know, great win. But what's a more impressive one when you look at it? Tennessee squeaked by Pitt, a shitty, pardon uh, my language there, Pitt team that lost to Georgia Tech, right? They barely beat a Florida team at home. They, they, they did smack around LSU, so I'll give them props for that, at LSU. Um, and then they, you know, they won 52-49 on a last-second field goal. Good win. I don't Certainly a, a top-10 team, arguably a top-five team, number one team in the country. Uh, you know, take it easy, Clay. Yeah, well, for for me, I think beating Alabama is going to hold more must, muster than Oregon, but whatever. Um, my other question for y'all is, logistically, if that's the right word, how do you get goalposts out of a stadium? Like, how do they fit? How does that work? The manpower, getting through the, the tunnels, like, how does that happen? Well, if I if I turn back the uh, turn back the time machine here to when we beat Tennessee, what was that, 2000? And, was that 2000 or 2001? 2000. Um, I, I, I don't think I rushed the field that year. I was already I had already graduated and came back, probably hung out with you guys at the dollhouse and went to the game. Um, and I remember a lot from that evening, but I did not go on the field. And I don't recall how the goalposts made it out, but I do think you actually have to take them up the bleachers, kind of navigate them through the concourse, and then out the gate. No, no. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> he, say, he says no. They don't. Uh, in Sanford, I remember how they went out of Sanford. They- we were on the field. We are down underneath there. Underneath the bridge. 
right? Where the ambulances can come in, where Uga comes in, you know, you, you get that lower level concourse. I believe that's how they went out. The coolest thing about this was they ended up in the Tennessee River, which is actually pretty damn funny. But to that point, one thing I do want to bring up, very cool. The fans should be super excited. Some of the behavior I saw from the fans uh, on, on Twitter was disgusting, like cussing out girls. Uh, there's some really awful stories that I don't think we need to get into, but stuff to really be embarrassed about. But one thing that they, on a lighter note that they should be embarrassed about is these Tennessee football players look like the biggest losers smoking cigars on the field like they just beat the 85 Bears in the Super Bowl, right? Great win, okay? The fans should be pumped. But act like you've been there before, okay? Speaking about on-field uh, shenanigans, your boy Jermaine Burton got caught doing a little extracurricular activities on the field after the game. Am I right? Twice. There are two videos. I sent one around to you guys. He hit two separate people on the field. I get the frustration, but, dude, put your helmet on, walk off the field. I know that you had an amazing game with two catches for 49 yards. With your <laughs> yards, But – you know, try to contain your, uh, you know, disdain and not hit someone. Uh, I think he's going to be in a little bit of trouble. It has not really surface shipping, but he's up shit's Creek. Yeah, that, I mean, that's just a Bush League move. You know, you're Bama. You're on the road. If you lose, you know that the Fino fans are going to storm the field. Just put your helmet on, like you said. Get in. Get out of there. Go to the locker room and be done with it. Don't put your hands on any of the civilians. All it's going to do is get you suspended. Dumb, dumb, dumb. <laughs> Yeah, so Michigan takes down Penn State in convincing fashion. Do y'all care about that at all? Good win. Good win. Michigan's a really solid team. Um, and what's good, it's going to come down to Michigan-Ohio State again. And, uh, I mean, I guess it's possible the Big the Big Ten could get two teams in the playoffs. But um, Michigan, Michigan um, you know, they were good last year, obviously making the playoffs and then got spanked by us in, in the Orange Bowl. I think they're better this year. Um, you know, I, they don't scare me, but they're a good team. Ohio State, I looked at it today. You know, they were off this week. Ohio State has zero quality wins. Zero. Uh, Michigan has – I think Penn State – I've only watched them a couple of times. One, one of the times is when they just destroyed Auburn. Um, I think I think Penn State's an okay team, and, and Michigan did throttle them. So, yeah, I give them credit for that. Uh, but, again, back to my original question of who's got the best quality win. I, again, I – we could argue Georgia, Oregon, and the reason I say that is because of the forty-nine to three drubbing. Uh, but nobody else has a really good win. Tennessee, you can give them th- this win. So uh, Larry's boy Herbie and the boys are going to go to Eugene, Oregon this weekend to see the Ducks take on uh, UCLA, which is the, I think the only top ten matchup on the board. So let the let the Ducks take care of business there. And to your point, Gans, like makes the win look that much better. Go Ducks. Yeah, it's a what a nine versus ten matchup. Um, I believe I believe Oregon is favored with a six and a half. Maybe I, I didn't write it down, but I think that's with memory serves. Um, it's going to be a good matchup. You know, Chip Kelly's finally got some things rolling out there in the Pac-12. Um, their quarterback, I know he's got a hyphenated name. You know, he's starting to get a little bit of a buzz for for Heisman talk. But uh, quite frankly, I think the Ducks are going to take care of business and smack him around a little bit this weekend. I, I do too. Uh, the only other win that I, I would like to mention, I think, was a good win. It, I, I think TCU's win over Oklahoma State was was a good win. I know they're at home. Uh, they were down, I think, two scores at one point. I was just kind of following it, and, and to come back and win it in two overtimes, beating Oklahoma last week. He's not very good this year, but then Oklahoma State, they've got a tough road ahead of them too. TCU, I wouldn't be too concerned about them, you know, crashing a dance or anything. But uh, look, they're undefeated, and, and they've got the Big Twelve. They're in the driver's seat. 
I, I did see a projection of what a 12-team playoff would look like if it was today, and it had uh, TCU, Tulane, and Syracuse in the 12-team playoff. Well, Syracuse so, Syrac- week, so let's- Yeah, Syracuse takes on Clemson. Um, that should take care of itself. Lincoln Riley finally got punched in the nose. Uh, was that was that Sammy's Utah Utes that took him down? The Utah Utes. So I uh, I had as you know I had my uh, my my three pack of picks. You, you forced me to stick with one, so I had Oklahoma. Uh, they spanked America's team pretty good. I also picked Utah to cover minus three and a half. They did not cover the three and a half, but they did win with a, a pretty ballsy two point conversion by Kyle Whittingham at the end of that game. Um, I stayed up late to watch Pac-12 after dark, and I enjoyed the ending of that one. But, yeah, Utah did take down Lincoln Riley and the boys. Um, what, we have three or four top ten teams took an L last week? It was a pretty good weekend of college football. Yeah, I think the stat I sent to you guys was there were three undefeated top ten teams, previously undefeated, that lost. One was Alabama on a last-second field goal. One was Oklahoma State uh, in, in double overtime. And then uh, the USC game as well. By what was it? By one they lost. Yeah, forty three, forty two, I believe. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's some, that's some good TV watching. Gans, you like how Lawrence just kind of slid in that sucker bet of the week success? <laughs> yeah, I mean that taking Oklahoma. That's, By the way, I mean kudos to you, dude. You're you're kind of nailing these things right now. Wait, what's the what's the record now? What are you four and two, five and two? We're we're doing good. I figured you had it tattooed on your 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 arm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to keep it marked in pencil or in uh, Sharpie Gans. I learned that from you. Yeah, drinking beers well, at uh, the Belmont Stakes. That's right. What you looking towards this towards this week, then? Um, a couple games I'm looking at. You know, it, it, you, you covered it already. It's not a great slate of games this week. Um, I was looking at UCLA, Oregon. Uh, Clemson is minus 13 against Syracuse. I feel like Clemson, is it's a home game. Um, I feel like the public's going to be pretty heavy on Clemson. So I was looking at Syracuse a little bit. Uh, and then I started looking at Oklahoma State coming off a loss against TCU. They're actually getting close to a touchdown. They're plus six and a half on the road at Texas. Um, Texas is a completely different team with Quinn Ewers at quarterback, but I still don't really see how they're a touchdown favorite against, you know, previously undefeated Oklahoma State. Um, <clears throat> but where I think the, the sucker bet lies this week is, you know, we had the sketchy dogs, Mississippi State. They were playing good ball. They did go on the road last week. They lost to Kentucky, but they are getting 21 points at Bama. Um, and I feel like people are going to look at that and say sketchy dogs are, you know, a quality team, good team. Bama, just, no, it's not the same Bama. 21 seems like a lot. I think the sketchy dogs are going to be my sucker bet, and I think Bama comes back and slaps them down hard. I was trying to follow you there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so you're you're taking you're taking. I'm taking Bama. I think sketchy dogs are the sucker bet. Yeah, I, it's right. a lot of it's just a lot of points. All right, so I guess I got to take the sketchy dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't really. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Um, that'll be an interesting. That, that's really the only decent SEC game this weekend, right? Uh, yeah. Well, unless you want to count Tennessee versus Tennessee Martin, uh, maybe maybe the Vols will have a letdown week. You never know. Vernon Hooker is good. To go back to that, he he is a. I, I like him. I like his play. I think uh, Fat Josh Heupel's done a really good job up there. It's going to really suck when he goes to Oklahoma in two years when they when they can. What's his name? Um, uh, Brent Venables. But uh, you know, enjoy. yeah, that's, I'm thinking yeah. that as well. Like, what what happens in two years when Oklahoma comes calling? Does Josh Heupel take that job and go back to Oklahoma? You go running when Mama calls. That's right. Yeah. So uh, shout out to T. Ludd, a faithful listener of this podcast, and he. 
breaks it down with us during the week. Um, he brought up an interesting scenario about a four-team playoff that includes all SEC teams, um, which would, I guess, be Georgia, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Alabama, and the scenario how that plays out. He thought we should discuss that. I think that's a good idea. I think it never can happen. I think the, the nation wouldn't let it happen. But is there a scenario where you guys see those being the four teams that battled it out for the crown? I, I don't. I don't because that would mean Ohio State would probably have to lose to Penn State and then beat Michigan. Um, and so they would have each all have one loss. Ole Miss would – I guess I guess Ole Miss would lose to Alabama – yeah, um, we beat Tennessee, and then lose we, and then we lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Um, Everybody, all four, all those four teams have one loss. And I yeah. think if that's the case, like you're going to see a Michigan or you know a Michigan would go over Mississippi, Ole Miss, or, or Clemson, Clemson, or Clemson, undefeated Clemson. Yeah, they're not going to have two losses. Um, you're you're not going to have two losses out of the the Big Ten. You'll have a at, at worst a one loss conference champion Big Ten, a one loss conference. Conference champion from the ACC, so uh, I, I like where your beautiful mind is going, Tom. Uh, I just don't see it being. So, but what, what, if, what if it comes down to like a one-loss Oregon team whose one loss was just getting their ass kicked by Georgia, and a one-loss Ole Miss team that maybe got their ass kicked by Alabama? Um, do you take Oregon over Ole Miss? You take the conference champion. So, so in Tom's de- in, in Tom's defense, I don't think that he was forecasting that. He was saying it's an interesting theory that's being discussed is is something that could happen. Hey. So, who are who are y'all's top four right now? Gans, because there's a yeah. lot of shakeup last week. Sure, sure. Uh, I I would say Georgia, and actually, I haven't prepared for this. I'm going on the fly here. Uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Tennessee. And I don't like saying that because I think this season. But as of today, you know, Clay Travis likes to do his ratings. What are, you know, it's as of today not saying anything. Sure, throw, throw Tennessee in there. It's going to change. Yeah, if if we're going off how it stands today, I, I get the exact same. It's Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, Clemson. Uh, again, I think Clemson has the easiest path out of anybody. Uh, Josh, you know, you sent this note out earlier this week or the, earlier this week about. You know, the whoever loses the Tennessee Georgia game, let's call it Tennessee, do they actually have an easier path potentially to get to the playoff? Uh, because whoever wins that game is probably going to have to play Alabama again. You need a lot of help though, you, because it was what it was twenty seventeen when Alabama made it in with one loss. Uh, and didn't go to the conference championship game. You need a lot of help. Uh, I don't think Alabama's going to get any love this year. If if you know, obviously they would have two losses. Um, if if they lose again and don't make the conference championship game, they're out. Um, and if they lose to Georgia or Tennessee in the SEC championship game, they're out. Alabama's got a, a bowl perfect game going in. Um, don't yeah, they don't. They, they have no more margin for error. No. Their losses have been, or excuse me, their victories have been too close. Uh, at times to give them that benefit of the doubt. So, yeah, they got to run the table, and they're still in if they run the table if they sure. win the SEC. But, but if they don't, they're not they're not getting in as that large bid. Okay. Um, Gans, we, 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 we – go, go ahead. I mean, is this kind of the beginning of the end for the Saban dynasty? From your mouth to God's ears. Sorry, Bama fans, but God, I hope so. Because this, this is just not the same Bama team. They're not getting the calls. They're not built like they're used to be built from the inside out, you know, winning the line of scrimmage. Um, it's almost like they tried to be too fancy, and you know, their wide receivers aren't what they have been in the years past, and 
they don't have the talent on the interior to continue to just dominate teams like they have in the past. And this, in this last year was their rebuilding year. This is supposed to be their steamroll year. To your point of not getting the calls, those refs were petrified for their life. Getting at Neyland Stadium with 150,000, you know, meth heads on moonshine, they were not – there were no calls going against Tennessee in that game. Were they uh, locked and loaded with mustard bottles and yellow golf balls just ready to fire at, any, at a moment's notice? That is one of the most vile fan bases I've ever seen. Again, just looking at all the the, the Twitter uh, nonsense that came up. I mean, you've got sorority girls with balls tattooed on their lip, cussing out old ladies from Alabama and spitting on them. So it, those refs were not – no calls going against Tennessee that day. They possible they moonlighted the mouse's ear as well, but maybe. Woof. <laughs> uh, we, 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 before we wrap up, we got to get to the Jimbo of the Week. Who, who, who wins the coveted award? Is it finally someone other than Jimbo simply because they were off this week? That's a fair question. And I tried to think of ways to get Jimbo to be the first uh, thrice winner of his namesake award. And unfortunately, I could come up with nothing only because I didn't have access to him this week. Uh, we talked about a few. One nominee was Jermaine Burton for smacking people around. Uh, Larry kind of alluded to it. My Jimbo of the week is none other than Nicholas Lou Saban Jr., you have you have the ball on the 32 yard line with 39 seconds to go. Uh, Tennessee has three timeouts, and you manage to lose. If you run the ball once, one time, and you miss the field goal, you you go to overtime. I'm usually not one to play for overtime when you're on the road in a hostile environment. This is not Florida. This is Alabama, a perennial national championship with a Heisman winner. I know people will argue with me here. They'll say you've got the, the Heisman winner. Let him throw the ball. All you have to do is run it once. They have to burn one timeout. They're down one timeout. They got the ball back with 20 seconds or something like that. Well, no, enough to run two plays to get about 35 yards. 35 yards. And the coaching, it, it was one of the poorest coach games I've ever seen. You can't blame all those penalties on him, but almost looked like they were dropping so many back in coverage. Uh, you know, Julian Hyatt was running all over the place. No adjustments were made. I'm sorry, Nick Saban. I know I don't like to do Monday morning coaching, but you, sir, are the Jimbo of the week. Uh, I am. I co-signed that. That exactly where my brain went is just the play calling towards the end of that game. Uh, I mean, it was absolutely atrocious. Uh, Saban. I mean, Saban blew that game. He totally Jimboed that game. He got 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 to say that the Vegas odds of Saban taking home this award beginning of the season would have been pretty small. But I think he's losing a couple miles off the fastball. His MPH is going down. He looks like Strider after inning inning two of the NLC and NLDS. The YouTube clips of him like melting down to the sidelines after some of the penalties and everything else are just. I mean, they'll never get old. He's just freaking out, and I can watch him all day long. Yeah, shut it down, Nick. Uh, I guess we've got to pour pour a shot out, uh, you know, pour, pour pour a drink out for the Braves. Oh. Did not see that ass whipping coming at the hand of the Phils. Glass half full. We'll have a less stressful October. That's why I'm telling myself, um, let the other fan bases live and die with every pitch in the, the playoffs. But pretty upset to see them go down without much of a fight over the weekend. Hey, real quick, and this is we're going off script here for a second, but uh, maybe uh, let's lock it in. Prediction on Dansby Swanson from uh, the team here. So, I, I, I from what I understand, there was a five-year, hundred million dollar deal floated his way. Not a bad offer. So, not not long before the season ended. Um, I think we all agree that's pretty close to being being right. The Braves have shown a consistent position to not going over a certain number 
per year for players, and 22 is, for whatever reason, the number that Anthopolis has arrived at. I, I don't see Dan's be breaking through that ceiling. So if, if, you, if you're d- debating between five years and six years, I think six is one too many. I think five years, 110 is as high as I would go as a general manager for him. Um, I don't know if the Braves are going to do that. I don't know if Dansby takes that. I think that he he might say, hey, I can get something like a Trevor Story deal or, or, or you know, something higher that somewhere else. So I, I my confidence level of him coming back is below 50-50. So I, I agree with everything you just said, by the way, so I'm not going to rehash it. I think 5-110 is probably the highest the Braves go. I'm not sure that they get there. I'm not. I think Dansby probably does take that. Uh, I'll leave it at that and let, let Larry. Uh, yeah. I think we see Dansby in a different in different laundry next year. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to pay him, but I think that the Braves may be going after a bigger name. Uh, you know, there's some free agents in the market: Trey Turner, Car- uh, Carlos Correa. Uh, they probably they probably willing to pay a little bit more for those guys. Um, and seeing as that you know, AA he gets who he wants when he wants to get them, like you know, is emphasized by the Harris signing, the Strider signing. All these younger guys that get locked up, he's made the offer to Dansby. It hadn't been signed yet. Um, it just is very, uh, you know, reminiscent of the Freddie negotiation last year. And uh, considering they have the same, they're represented by the same people, or they were represented by the same people, uh, I see Dansby not wearing a Braves uniform next year. We'll see somebody new in that spot. I don't think Grissom will be starting opening day shortstop. I think we get one of those big name free agents. So just to clarify, I do think Dansby will be, but I'd say greater than 50%. I don't think we could find another shortstop uh, with this cool of a beard and comes out to outcast. So. <laughs> Fair. Fair enough. All right, last 30 seconds. Give the dogs a first-half grade. Overall, you can break it up, offense, defense, whatever. Grade them. I'll take it. Okay. 7-0, the first three weeks of the season, we were relatively untouchable. Um, I would give the dogs overall, I would say an A minus, you know, on the road at Missouri was, you know, ugly. Kent State was ugly. But for the most part, we're coming in, we're taking care of business. We're, we're pretty much going to be healthy going into the second half of the season. Um, I like what I like what I see, and I think we're gonna I think we're gonna run through the regular season undefeated, and we'll have a rematch against you know it'd be fun to see Ole Miss and Atlanta um, that first week in December, but I think it'll be a rematch against Alabama again in, uh, for the SEC championship. So I'll, I'll give them an A. I think they've done everything they've had to do. They've done it well. Only concern uh, besides you know, some injuries, and that that doesn't go into the grading is lack of pass rush, and and, and part of that is uh, I think scheme and, and, and play calling. Uh, but like to see them. They're going to need to get some pressure on Hendon Hooker uh, in in three weeks. Uh, but a. Me too. I give him an A. Um, I think it's crazy that the season's halfway over. I've I've enjoyed us doing this weekly show. I'll give us an A too. A plus, man. Um, come on. A plus. Uh, let's keep doing it the rest of the season. What do you think? Um, feedback's been good. People seem to be listening. The funniest part is I'll get texts about like Jermaine Burton, like, oh, he scored a touchdown this week. Make sure you all recognize that. Or, oh, he didn't do anything. Uh, this guy's a good candidate for Jimbo of the week. So stuff like that. Larry's making people money. Uh, it's all good, man. Yeah, well, you know, the AR-15 watch, uh, that one dissolved pretty quickly, though. So uh, hopefully – when we come back after the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, uh, we'll be able to roast him a little bit more because that was fun at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Love it. But one thing to add on the Jermaine Burton watches, our boy Matt Landers had three touchdowns last week for uh, for Arkansas. So Matt Landers is 
arguably having a better season than Jermaine Burke. <laughs> 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 and, and, and on that, we are out. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you all for listening. Uh, week seven, College Football's last call in the books. Everybody, uh, we'll see you all next week. Until then, keep chopping. See you, boys. Go dogs. Go dogs.